We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings, deviating from the normal schedule today to talk about legalized gambling in the United States, maybe a little bit in Canada too, because there's new bills crossing the parliament floor up north, uh, where I am actually, so that's interesting news, because you hear all the time about... This state is legalizing this, but what are the provisions that goes along? Are they going to turn it into like a lottery system that's run by the state and not let independent people in? So uh, I figured it would be best to kind of talk this through and try to figure out if you live in one of these states, what's a realistic timeline if you don't have legalized sports betting yet in your state, when that might actually come to fruition. Remember to smash the like button to the episode of this video and... Subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. Also hit the newsletter in the description and rate and review the audio podcast. And subscribe if you haven't already, too. Tons of good stuff up there, always completely free on Mayo Media Network. Joining me to break this all down from LegalSportsReport.com, it's Dustin Gauker. What's going on in New York? And I, I probably should say, uh, right off the hop, is we were recording this like 10 to 14 days from the time that it's actually airing. So things could change in the interim, but that's really the hot button one right now because it sounds like it's going to be legalized. It sounds like Como's doing this to like take some heat off of himself at the same time. But <laughs> when I read more about it, like it seems really vague on who's allowed to operate in the state based on what we're seeing right now. Yeah, so the latest is uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo did sign the budget bill that legalizes sports betting, so online sports betting. So from that standpoint, definitely going to happen. It, I mean, the law is a law. It's coming. Uh, there's a, a, a variety of things that could happen between now and then. There's a lot that needs to happen between now and then, between now and a launch. Uh, 
you know, uh, the earliest that could happen looks like December. I'd say the Super Bowl would be more likely. And that's not even counting possible legal challenges that have yet to, to, to surface in New York. So now things are trending positively to have online sports betting in New York. Um, but you're right. There's a lot going on in the state. We don't know exactly how people are going to bid for these. There's licenses that are up for bid in a, in a, in a, process that we don't know exactly how it's going to work, but we know that you have to bid for a license. You have to share revenue with the state. Um, we don't know exactly how limited it will be, but you know, it's not a, a free for all like some of these other states that have online betting. So a lot uh, to be done in New York, but you know, right now it looks like you're going to have it in time for the Super Bowl unless something you know happens in the next two weeks or sometime over the spring or summer. Now, is that just because it takes so long to get this legislation in place, wait for the bids, go through the actual process? Because wouldn't this be something that they would want to turn the key on for week one NFL? Yeah, just from my experience and how other states have rolled it out, there's been a wide swath of things that could happen. You know, some have rolled it like went to law to uh, to actual sports betting in a few months. Some have taken more than a year to do it. Uh, New York kind of outlines in the law how this process works. And you, yeah, you have to write the regulations after you do the law. And then you have the, because the, the way New York's doing it's different than other states where you have to uh, competitively bid on how you're going to operate it, who's going to do it and like get, get all these licenses taken care of. So that process at least takes us through the end of the year. And then that would mean, you know, in the ideal world, December is at least a possibility. Again, I'd say early 2022 is more likely Likely, but this is just how they decided to do it and tried to get, you know, they put some, they built some time in to do it right, hopefully. Uh, and, but we'll see if that's the, the outcome in the end. Is there any one of these states? Because obviously there's going to be a state by state thing as we've seen so far. How many states is it actually legalized in now? Like 13? Uh, online betting, man, I should have had that number off the top of my head. <laughs> it's like, well, it depends on what you count. Maryland is close. They have a, they're a, a, Bill is sitting with the governor, and if it's signed, Maryland joins that club. Uh, you know, you have other states where there's kind of online, but it's only in certain venues. So, the, yeah, but we're about that's about the right number. It's more than a dozen now for kind of statewide online betting. And then you include states that have just retail sports betting where we're even more than that. But um, yeah, it's been the last couple of weeks have been crazy with uh, with other states joining uh, New York as well. So. so is there any one state like let's say New York falls and they legalize it and everything's up and running. You can play, you, you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. They get it on the bid. Then you can bet online wherever you're at in the state. If New York falls, does that mean some of the other bigger states might come along with it or are Texas? And I saw Florida is going through different legislation right now or even California because it feels like you need those four to fall. And then once it's legalized there, it's kind of open season for everyone. Yeah, I mean, we even though there's been all uh, since 2018 in the Supreme Court decision that opened up federal sp sports betting outside of just Nevada, there's been a, just a huge rush to this. But at the same time, the amount of population that really has access to it is still fairly small. We're, you know, we're, we're even though we have all these states, you know, like you said, the four biggest states until now have not had online sports betting California, Texas, New York, and Florida. So we're crossing New York off the list. Florida, again, uh, right as we, we sit here, who knows what's going to happen in Florida? We could be looking at online sports betting there as well. Um, but yeah, you're, you look, you're looking at it. There's not always a clear path to what's exactly going to happen, you know, and how, how good it is for you, like as an end better or for DraftKings or for anyone, right? We don't know, you know, like 
right now, we don't know for sure that DraftKings is going to be in New York because it's kind of a limited number of providers. We don't know what it's going to look like in Florida. But yes, there is this critical mass, though. We get to uh, these, we, we start ticking off big states where there's, where's online sports betting access. You know, we're, we're, we're into the point where more than half the U.S. population will have access to it. You know, in, and you can argue across state borders, there's even more. And, you know, New Jersey has served the New York market, obviously, for years now. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we're close to this critical mass where sports betting is, is getting close to ubiquitous. We still need a Texas and a California. California is the, you know, obviously the crown jewel out there, big state has, you know, just obviously a huge sports fan population, but it's, it's pretty complicated to get done in California as well. Are there reasons for California? Because it seems like, because I, I remember talking about this with friends in Arizona, uh, and it seems like they're pushing it along a little bit more, and it seems to be propping up in Florida as well, is that there are certain things written into law already where the native tribes have access to this and they almost have to allow this to happen? Am, am I, from my reading, am I reading that <laughs> right? Like there needs to be some sort of deal brokered with them where they still get to siphon off a percentage of all the bets made even by other companies. And that's how they would allow this to come in. Yeah, you know, it's different in every state, but yes, in Arizona, you know, the tribes have compacts with the state to offer gambling. They, as part of expanding what they do, they allowed online sports betting to happen a little bit more widely. So that's a possible model for how California gets it done. Florida, just one tribe, the Seminole tribe there, uh, it kind of runs gambling in the state. They have, they have, it won't get into the weeds there, but yes, they kind of control how gambling goes down in Florida. Uh, and in California, similarly, there, you know, the tribes have a wheel enormous amount of power. They have exclusivity over you know most forms of casino gambling there are other uh, other issues you know card rooms that you know exist and kind of have both poker and table games uh, there's racetracks uh, i've been covering online poker there for for the better part of a decade and what they and they failed to legalize that it's the, the the issues are kind of the same with sports betting on whether they can get it done but arizona does provide a model for that uh, for how the tribes interact with the state and have sports betting michigan same way they you know tribes are involved with sports betting in michigan as well so there's at least a there's a path forward for it. But California, really sticky politically, um, you know, they tr they're trying to do a ballot measure or ballot measures uh, to, to do it. So to put it up for referendum and then have enacting legislation. So we're still you know, right as we sit here, probably you know, even in a best case scenario, a couple years from any type of sports betting happening in California. So how has this been working out for the states that actually have? So let's just like frame New Jersey as the example. They, I think they were the first one. They seem to be doing the best. I'm in Pennsylvania, I would think, uh, in terms of generating revenue for the state. And if New York gets legalized, that has to eat into the New Jersey overall share, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we've seen is that the the state, most of the states have had some sort of open, fairly competitive market with relatively low tax rates, and that allows operators to come in and compete and you know make some money, reinvest in the product, reinvest into marketing, and try to acquire more customers. So New Jersey, you know, uh, over twenty brands live in the state. The the biggest ones, DraftKings, FanDuel. BetMGM uh, have have done well in the state, and you know it, it's re, you know it's, we're we're talking you know in any state that's legalized and had kind of this competitive market had you know tens of millions to you know nine figures of tax revenue or a revenue share that goes to the state. And uh, you're right though, New Jersey, uh, you know New York happens, and some of that gets siphoned off. Some operators say up to 25% of handle of of all wagers is coming from people in New York City. Obviously, millions of people live there and work there or across the Across the river all the time and, and are betting when they're in New Jersey. It's going to be, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be a hit for for New Jersey. And then other states beyond that, again, yeah, you look at 
know, Indiana, Pennsylvania have fairly open competitive markets. They've done well. There are there are more exclusive markets. I'm in one of them here in Oregon, where there's just a, a, the lottery uh, contracts with a single company to have on, have online sports betting. We only have one app. It, it's underperformed, uh, but there are models. You know, the New York model is more, you know, again, with, without knowing exactly how it's going to go down, more monopolistic, a little bit more uh, of closed market. Uh, the state is asking for a revenue share of up to half of all revenue, which sounds, if, you, if that sounds like a lot, you're right, because the tax rate for sports betting, you know, generally between like five and twenty percent in almost every state. So you're asking operators to give away that much money just to just to have the privilege of operating in New York potentially, and that's you know that, that's hard for you know, sports betting is a core, a low margin business, especially when you're competing with others and when you're spending on marketing and you're trying to do a lot of things at once, it's going to be tough to see that, but you know, the state's going to make a lot of money, no matter what it does. There are a lot of people who want to bet on sports in New York and, you know, the state will make money. It's, it's a little bit more, whether how much traction they get with the the betting public and uh, moving people from offshore and how much the, the operators themselves can gain, gain a foothold in a state where they're, they're not be able to market maybe as much as they are in other states. So you said that Oregon has a like government run lottery. There's like one place where you can actually do sports betting. That's a lot. It's weird because in Canada, it does operate that way. You cannot do single game betting in Canada, but you can go to the corner store and play right. a three team parlay if you want through the government run service. It's like, I don't know if it's federally regulated or if it's provincially regulated, but it, every state has its own version of quote unquote pro line or whatever the hell it's called yeah. in Quebec because Quebec just operates <laughs> on a completely different level than the rest of the country. And it's like, the biggest taker like they have horrible odds and they make you yeah. have to hit a parlay every single time which is just ludicrous it's it's free right. money for the government so i can see why they would want to get in that but it's also not illegal to bet on things in canada either so if i just open up one of what would be considered offshores in mm -hmm. the United States, technically operate in a gray area in Canada. They have, you know, a lot of these places have deals within Canada, actually on native reserves, usually in Quebec, where they can base mm -hmm. their operation out of because it's illegal to do that there. It's non-taxable. So it seems like this is why the government is trying to get in front of it. Like, hey, this is happening already. It's not illegal. It's just not legal. So there's you know, never any problems with like, I think I've been using apps to bet online for like, I guess not mm -hmm. apps because <laughs> smartphones but like i've been using the internet to bet on sports for like 15 16 years and it's never been a problem and for people who right. seek that out it's never been a problem when it comes to the canadian side of this and let's say they do legalize single game betting um do you think that they open up the doors just kind of like new jersey did where it's like hey if you have an online platform you need to register with the government you're gonna have to pay us some sort of tax on each bet that comes in or the overall handle but you're free to operate yeah, the dynamic is a lot like the United States, except, you know, I think it's pretty, it's been pre pretty clearly a black market here. It's a, it is definitely a gray market, you know, big operators like Bet365 obviously take, take people in Canada to, for bets. So, but it's the same dynamic. Basically the, the federal government is looking to get rid of the ban on single game wagering. That is basically what happened here uh, in the U.S., through the, the Supreme Court. It wasn't legislated, but that's what's happening right now. Even as we speak, they're going to be talking about that today in Canada, about what they're doing as far as repealing that. And then that leaves it up to the provinces, exactly how they want to roll that out. The, you know, I understand Ontario is going to be the first to do this. They're going to open it up. It's going to be a wide open free-for-all where if you want to get licensed, you want to try to, to try to take bets in Ontario, you can. And it seems like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And that's, yeah, that's that's what they're that's what it looks like they're doing they're going to yeah, open up 
have a competitive market, let all comers come who can want to get a license. You, 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 you pay tax to the government and you, and you see what happens and see how everything shakes out. And obviously there's not room for a hundred sports betting operators to be, to, to carve out a part of a market in Canada, but that's, that's where it is going to be open and competitive, which I, again, I think is what we've seen has worked the best here in the U S in terms of, of opening up from, from a ban to having a regulated and legal sports books coming that are clearly in a white market instead of a gray or black market. Well, the openness and the competitiveness of allowing everyone to come in has to only work in the favor of the consumer, because obviously I can't bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. Although, if you have DraftKings Sportsbook available in your state, I highly encourage you to play on (laughs) DraftKings Sportsbook. But the offers that all of the books are offering up to new customers to acquire these customers are absolutely insane. And five years from now, I don't think these are going to exist. The, the boosts that you can get to, you know, bet on both sides of plus money. Why not? Right. Just, just, just deposit your money on our sports book. Yeah. I mean, I was in New Jersey soon after launch when there were a lot of these great offers, you know, it's anywhere, like you're right. Anywhere where you're in a state where you have multiple operators, you should be getting the free money. I think, right. There's, there is a lot of money flowing around that is not going to flow around forever and ever. Yeah. And that's just the, and I'm just talking about the welcome offers you're talking on boosts on top of that. People, you know, everybody's just giving away free money, like on, on boosted lines or like, uh, yeah, bet one, bet a dollar, get a hundred or whatever. Like everybody's doing those things. And it's, it is literally right now free money. So if you're not an early adopter someday, that someday this stuff will not be there. There'll be fewer operators, be fewer opportunities to do this. And uh, yeah, you should be taking advantage. And yeah, if, if and when Ontario happens, uh, that's going to be the same thing. It's going to be open season and just a lot of, it's great for the end consumer. And that's, you know, that's, that, we, I talk, I come out, I cover this legislatively regulated from a regulatory standpoint, but really the end, in the end of the day, this is for the consumer too, right? So you have, you know, something that you trust and something that you, uh, you know, feel good about betting on and also benefits your state or benefits local, local economies. Like that's something that's not happening right now when there's, when you're only betting at the black market or there's no regulated option. So that's what's, that's what's coming to Canada. And that's what's increasingly coming to states in the U S I've seen you really rally against offshore books and some of the content that's out there where you log on to a site, they have one of those widgets in there where they can get affiliate fees throughout. (laughs) And you see some bigger platforms do this. Do you think that the you know even the newspaper type websites or even some of the larger sports websites that have these affiliate links run through them and they're like all third party and you know the third party will take a cut of every sign up that you get but you get a certain percentage of the affiliate that comes through if you click through that link but there's a lot of offshores mixed with some of the legal books that are out there which really muddies the water do you think that is specifically designed by the people putting these widgets on their site, like they know what they're doing, or are the people who are making these deals at some of the larger places just completely unaware of what's legal and what's not? First off, I'll, I'll say I, I do like to to rail against uh, offshore sports books, uh, but here's the thing: if you, if is it legal? Probably, uh, probably not actually, but nobody's going to get, anybody's betting on an offshore site, probably not going to jail or going to get in trouble. So from that standpoint, yes. And I don't, I don't begrudge anybody who like, that's your only legal option to bet on sports. Go for it. Do it. That's if you feel good about it, just know there are dangers. Well, I want to present that because it's happened to me before. uh, Just because yeah, you you shop around for the best lines. Like, oh, I'll throw some money on this site. Then you win the bet. They're like, oh yeah, we're not going to pay you. It's like, oh, now I have no recourse. What do I do? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, you have and you have that recourse. That's part of the great thing about legalization and regulation. Not everything is perfect here, but you do have these are licensed by states. You have, you know, something bad happens, you can go to somebody. There is a regulator you can go to. You're not going to Costa Rica or Antigua and getting anybody on the line to help you with your problem with your sports bet if there, if you had to have a problem there. And it, there's, you know, good actors in the regulated market have, you know, they, they can't just they can't stomach having tons of bad press because they're or bad re reviews or whatever because they're not treating customers right. So yeah, there's that. I think it's pretty clear offshore sports books are not operating legally under either federal or state law here in the United States. So that's where I come from it. Um, but yes, you know, we're still, we, we, we've been talking about this for obviously for years, right? It feels like sports betting has been around forever. It has not been around forever. It's still very early days. We're, we're still only two and a really almost three years into sports betting on a legal basis outside of Nevada. So there's still education that being done. Not, you know, some people really, I, there's still lots of people out there who think, Sports betting was just legalized in the United States in 2018 and everything is fair game. And that, and if you go to Google and you do a search, you're, there's nothing that's going to dissuade you from that. You're going to, you're going to come to uh, an offshore sports book or an offshore information website that says, Hey, yes, yeah, sports betting is legal in whatever state you're in. Go bet at X, Y, and Z that are not regulated or, or licensed by states here in the U S. So that's the part that where I, I come at it is yes, there's a lot to, there's still a lot to of consumer education. We don't you know, not everybody knows what's going on like you and I and, and your listeners of what's going on with regulated sports books. Like there's this overarching idea that sports betting is just quote unquote legal everywhere. No, the, the, it's it, that nuance is lost on the general population. And it's, it's getting better, especially in states that have legal sports betting, but it's still, there's still a long way to go on that front. It's just funny to see some like major mainstream sports websites, like the big ones, and they'll have these like they'll be quoting offshore odds. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, don't you have partnerships with sports books at this point? I, I know you do, but you're quoting this place that's uh, run out of Malta or something. Yeah, and I yeah, I, and that's again, there's, there's a lot to overcome, and some, and even some of the media just don't know any better, and it's still education there. And I, you know, I try to point it out when I see it. You know, there are multiple. You know, the American Gaming Association, to their credit, works with the media to try to do this. Uh, you know, UNLV's Gaming Center just put out something like talking about this, and still, yeah, I mean, what what's you know what regulated books are still coming up against is is that they the the offshore books are so entrenched, and they have been. You know their number, their numbers and odds have been out there for years and years. They already have these journalists on speed dial. They'll they have a line that they want to promote. It's out there immediately. It's still getting to that point in the in the U.S. But yeah, and you still can't bet any. Uh, you know, yes, DraftKings. You know, DraftKings odds would be great, or anybody's odds would be great on on any any media report. But you can't bet on DraftKings anywhere else, everywhere. But you can bet on offshore sports books everywhere. That's the, that's the impetus you're overcoming. And again, I think it's it's time and education. And uh, yeah, I mean. I, I always come out like this. I, I've been in journalism a long time. I don't know another, of another comp where somebody talks about an illegally operating business and like citing them and quoting them and offering what in their product, right? That's that's weird. There's that doesn't really happen anywhere else. And it's it's lack of, of information and education, I think, in a lot of a lot of times. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years and made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. 
I've tried all three now, and I'm cutting back on smoking. I'm ready to jump in full steam to quitting smoking. It's about fucking time, so that's what I'm going to be doing, quitting smoking, and Lucy is going to help me try to do that. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine in cherry ice flavor, and each and every flavor actually tastes great. I can attest to that. They do taste delicious. And it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even at the gym, if you want to. I've been trying to quit smoking for like five years now, and it really has not worked out. Everything that I've tried hasn't worked. Lucy is going to give me my best shot at doing that. I'm going to try to convince Paul to do exactly the same thing as well, because it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, chuck out the dip, Get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. I just got my first month. Got to dig into it and consistently do it every single day because it's simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has the delivery down. Pat Mayo experience listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code Mayo, that's M-A-Y-O, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy, L-U-C-Y, dot C-O, and use promo code Mayo at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning! This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code Mayo. Let's all try to quit together if you're out there, okay? Thin is in, they say, but what's good about a thin steak or a thin wallet or thinning hair bad news the answer to these rhetorical questions is nothing so why then is every brand of men's body wash so weak and watered down any argument for using this crap is pretty thin if i must say so enter thick a new product from the duke cannon supply company thick earns its name by being three times thicker than common body washes it's the high viscosity alternative to watching your money run down the shower drain thick comes in a big ass container that you crack open like a beer that sounds awesome and it comes in four distinctly masculine scents that won't leave you smelling like a teenage boy thin is out thick is in Duke Cannon Thick High Viscosity Body Wash is $9 per bottle, or you can get all four scents for $30. Bourbon Oak Barrel, the latest scent inspired by our favorite place on earth, the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Notes of amber combined with a woodsy oak barrel foundation for a rich scent that smells as good as bourbon tastes. Naval Diplomacy, a refreshing ocean scent with notes of fresh water and musk. Old Glory, a rich, sophisticated, and classically masculine scent that blends notes of tobacco, cedarwood, and amber. Then there's Productivity, an invigorating and uplifting combination of peppermint, pine, and eucalyptus scents. Had enough of a thin gruel that is your current body wash? Thick is made with a plant-based thickener for superior lather. So you're not going to need that gross loofah anymore. And as an added bonus, when you heft a 17.5-ounce bottle of Thick, you're getting in a light arm workout. So visit DukeCannon.com and use promo code MAYO, M-A-Y-O, for 10% off your entire order. Free shipping with orders over $20. A range of Duke Cannon's men's premium products are also available at Target stores. Once again, DukeCannon.com, promo code MAYO, for 10% off your entire order. 
How has the legalization of poker on a statewide basis come along for the ride with sports gambling? Because it seems like that's been almost thrown aside to get the push to get <laughs> sports betting in, which seems really crazy because poker was once was it was poker legal or did it just operate in a gray area and no one cared until the bottom fell out? Yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, we can, you know, I was involved with the poker industry as well and writing about it, but it's pretty clear it was existing in a gray or black black area. You know, we're 10 years after Black Friday where online poker sites got shut down here in the U.S. And yeah, in, in retrospect, definitely wasn't. It's clearly not a white market here in the United States, and uh, it, but it's been slow and it's that's, that's, that's painful for me, again, as a poker player and, you know, sports betting kind of is this new shiny toy and it's like everybody wants it and it's an additive product so people don't really get you know bent out of shape about it it's, it's an easier sell in state legislatures than full-blown online casino and, and online poker um, online poker is still yes it was huge as we both know but it was it's still uh, you know it, right now the way it has to happen in the United States it's just a niche product each state has to legalize it just like sports betting and it's different for for poker because you need this poker is requires just a mass amount of people playing at one time and you really can't get that we have you know michigan just launched earlier this year we have at least new jersey pennsylvania delaware and nevada also have legalized it. Uh, those last three states, not including Pennsylvania, compact together where you can share player pools and people can play against each other in all those states. What you need is more of that to happen. You need, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan to, to decide to join that compact, which is possible at least. Um, and then you're starting to talk about critical mass where poker is something again, where there's a lot of people playing and there's a lot of excitement when it has to happen on a ring fenced basis where people can't play against other people. And I get this question more than anything, even though I cover sports betting largely, like you're not going to be able to play against the rest of the world in poker it's going to be united states only most likely and but we're, we're getting we're getting there and hopefully other states start adopting us and not you know poker and casino uh combined as a vertical casino more so but that, that revenue is more meaningful to states than even sports betting and that's gonna i mean that's gonna come become more and more clear as as, as michigan and pennsylvania and new jersey continue to grow like online casino and poker to combined create more way more revenue than sports betting so i if you're looking for for to, to plug holes in the budget I think that's where you start looking uh, if you're a state and, uh, you know, Michigan is the, the most le most recent one just earlier this year has really shown how, the, the possibility. They're already getting $100 million in operator revenue that turns into tax revenue. And uh, there's a lot to be said for there. So hopefully hopefully poker comes along for the ride as online casino gets, gets more of a look in more states. Yeah, I would think that online slots would be like the most profitable thing for a state of all time. Uh, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, the, the worry has been it's it cannibalizes land based casinos, which I, I reject. New Jersey has been doing this for years and like they have seen just exponential growth in casino. And, you know, obviously it's weird during the pandemic and, 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 and limits on how, how many people can be in these casinos. But it's been additive to what New Jersey has done and has helped plug a hole. And, you know, it's going to help grow the casino industry just in general. And we see bigger brands, though, you know, like, you know, heck, obviously DraftKings has casino, BetMGM, a, a and Caesars, which are traditionally land-based casino, are really pushing hard into um, to online casino. That's you know that's this is the revenue opportunity, and it's a growth opportunity for you know states, operators, everyone, jobs, etc. You know, I, I just I just yeah, and I'm with you. I just you know I see like oh yes, poker used to be huge. If we we if we get back to that critical mass of states with with poker, poker could be huge again for sure. Uh, and then again, you're not going to just legalize online poker probably anywhere. It's going to be casino come along for the ride. And you know, New York, California have looked at poker in the past, just hasn't gotten to the finish line. Um, but you know, as as you look for these revenue opportunities 
opportunities and, and ways to to fill state budgets in, in times when things are down. And you know, this is the thing that makes sense. And casinos are, are are increasingly more comfortable with with that idea and having legalized online casino. Do you think that poker is kind of fallen by the wayside because it doesn't have these huge monolith leagues that are attached to it, where if you look at the NFL, be like, oh, if we pass sports gambling, people can bet on the NFL, something that most Americans watch, (laughs) Uh, and just sports in general, where poker, like we said, is even though it was huge at one point, and even if you took all of those people who are interested in poker and loved watching like poker after dark on TV and logged on to poker stars or whatever it might have been, you know, it's nowhere near the size of the market of sports. Yeah, I mean, sports betting, it's, it's hard to describe, but sports betting is just an easier sell to a state lawmaker and policymaker. That's e- it's easier to wrap their head. This didn't used to be legal. We've done it in Nevada forever. People are doing it anyway. It's very it's very much, it's easier to sell that. And you're right, the lobbying behind it, you know, everybody kind of lobbies together at this point. Casinos and, and leagues and operators and sports books, they're all getting together and saying, this is kind of what we want. And that, that makes it easier too, when there's a, a consistent message, people have not, you know, uh, the, the lobbying for poker has, has lagged behind, uh, you know, that used to, that used to be aggressive. It's less aggressive, but, you know, again, I think as, as, as these companies are the largest companies are, are trying to expand their business. A lot of them are publicly traded, including DraftKings. Now they're looking at this and like, what, what, what is our growth segment? It's They're going to start pushing for this more as a way to, you know, grow the, grow the casino industry and grow the online gambling industry in parallel. So for things like the DraftKings stock, because it is a publicly traded thing, Penn's publicly traded as well, that if the casino end of this, more so than the sports end of this, was legalized in a lot of states, especially the big states, feel like that would have to be a huge boost to that stock, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Again, like, and uh, even you know, somebody like uh, Bet Rivers, which is uh, Rush Street Interactive, is publicly traded now. They own casinos in in several states: New York, Pennsylvania, uh, Illinois. Like, I, I see. Like, you should be pushing. Yes, you should be. I mean, it's a little, it's a, it's tougher to lobby for because it is like, it's like, oh, we're taking all online, all casino games online. That sounds that's a harder to wrap your head around as a policymaker, but. Yes, absolutely. Everybody should be doing this. And again, as 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 you know, MGM, you can't understate this. It used to be just a land-based company. Had have a, you know, you go to Vegas, you have a sports betting app there. But they are now very much an online gambling company as well. They 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 spend tons of money. If you're any state with with legal sports betting, you you know the BetMGM name because you're seeing their commercials on sports broadcasts and everywhere. Really. So this this is the this is the evolution of it. And I think you know, in in some ways, it was accelerated by the pandemic in terms of. You know, people obviously not going to casinos as much capacity is limited. And, you know, right now there's a moment for this and, uh, you know, it's online, online gambling is, is the future. Everything in, in the world is go is more and more online and everything. And gambling was never going to be any different. It's just a little slower from a regulatory and, and legislative standpoint, because it's not like you flick a switch, but that's, you know, we're, we're headed there. It's just a matter of how quickly we get there. What do you envision the influence of content and content providers is going to be like, Everyone knows that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, it's a partnership that I've had for a really long time. And you know, if they've never told me what to say, they're like, hey, don't <laughs> mention like uh, you know, competitors all that often. You know, tell people to play on DraftKings, that kind of thing. Sure. But whatever I want to talk about on the show has always just been fair game. And they maybe that's why they picked me. They trust me with that stuff. But like they just bought VEASAN, for example. You know, I've heard that oh, there's a bunch of companies in the mix trying to buy Action Network for like a hilarious amount of money, which probably isn't worth it. Uh, at the same time, <laughs> how but we even see all of these companies doing sponsoring studio shows on different networks. Like, do you think it has a negative impact 
Not so much on now you have a bunch of people who've never gambled on anything in their life trying to squeeze in gambling and talk about gambling, and it makes for bad content. But when we get five years down the line and people are more accustomed to this, do you envision any issues with that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, yes, media is a huge part of what's going on in sports betting. And there's, you know, we could break off a legal sports report uh, sub website and probably just cover like the media and its intersection with sports betting because there's something going on all the time, you know, from, you know, uh, exclusively like, you know, Yahoo and BetMGM have a partnership or like, uh, you know, we had, you know, the, the big one is Bally bought the regional sports networks that used to be the, the Fox sports net regional network. And every, you know, Bally isn't even a brand that you can bet on yet, but it's coming and it's going to like, it's now, now, now everybody in every state that used to have a, have an FS, FS regional network now gets, they start, gets hammered over the head with Bally. So there's just a ton of that ton of media interest and you know you guys now have a chief media officer as of last week it's it's a you know it's a way to connect with customers directly and you're going to see more of it um but you know longer term yes there's i think there's already this worry of we're heading down the road of of what's happened in the uk and elsewhere where there's there's this oversaturation of of uh of sports betting content and commercials and all of this and you know it, it, it just it, it starts to feel overwhelming and i'm i'm not in a state where i get overwhelmed with this but i i know tons of people who live in you know the new jersey area or illinois and you just get hammered over the head with this stuff and you know there's the uk has seen a, a pullback they've, they've, they've there's been too much advertising and and too much content out there about sports betting and there's been a little bit of a drawback in in, in in again uk in specific but so we'll see where it all goes i you know i hopefully we we self-regulate and uh, it, it doesn't get too out of hand on that front but there there are worries and again it's it, we're still you know to use the reference we're still in the first or second inning of sports we're not done here and there's a lot to that it's still going to happen and still the, the the amount of content that's out there is still only you know a, a drop in the ocean compared to where it could be as as it expands into more and more states how much did the pandemic facilitate the potential legalization of sports betting in a lot of these states now that a lot of these states are broke uh, and have no revenue coming in like this seems like a pretty safe way despite the you know, very realistic harm that it could do to people and they probably have to allocate a certain amount of money to put back in for services for gambling addiction treatment at the same time but you know they sell cigarettes to everyone too so as long as they sure. get their cut they're probably fine with it i mean i was a little skeptical of this narrative but that's what happened in new york is like there it started as part of filling up a, a giant budget hole and sports betting got into the conversation again uh, sports betting is not some you know it is it's a it's a it's found money though in a state right it's not like the, the cure-all for anybody uh you know it's they're even even in new york where they're aggressively forecasting 500 million to the state uh per on an annual basis which i think is high like that's a drop in the bucket in the overall you know New York budget, which I think approaches 200 billion. Like that's not a lot of money, right? But it's still, it's found money. It's something you can, oh, we can do this and just add half a billion dollars. Sure. Uh, so it's a, it's been a, you know, it's a, it does help that they're, you know, in addition to you have aggressive lobbying, you have states that still want to do this, that say, oh, we're just going to add some money to the state budget that we didn't have before. Easy peasy. Let's do that. Uh, so it does make it easier. And, you know, it should be, you know, right now there is, yeah, states, you know, with have, have generated less tax revenue. I don't think that's a secret. And most, a lot of states are, are dealing with budget for, shortfalls. Uh, we're kind of at the tail end of the legislation, legislative session. So we'll see how much more of this happens because of that. But it, it is, you know, it's, it's always been compelling 
to, to add sports betting. And again, I think that's why online casino comes for the along for the ride because the opportunity there is actually is actually more for a, on a state by state basis uh, in, in terms of generating real revenue that's meaningful for the state. Like again, Michigan using uh, all the the three states where there's meaningful casino alongside sports betting, Michigan, um, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, just the casino revenue. I think we're pretty close to it's either even or slightly outpaces all sports betting revenue across the U.S. wherever it's legal. So that's that's an idea of how big online casino is uh, relative to sports betting. And I think that's, again, the, not to belabor the point, but the, that's the real opportunity for, for states as they legalize more gambling online. In terms of market share, and I know this varies from state to state, between DraftKings and FanDuel, how much of the actual market share do they own? I mean, they're clearly right now one or two, although BetMGM had an investor day just yesterday claiming to be number two, and that probably includes online casino on top of it. But, um, you know, like everywhere where the state numbers are right now, FanDuel and DraftKings are one and two in some order. And usually right now, FanDuel one, DraftKings two, if you were had to, to add all of it up in terms of, and we don't have perfect insight into what every state says because we don't always have the exact numbers. Every state reports things differently. It's uh, it's a giant headache for those of us who report on the industry because it's not not homogenous at all. But but yeah, right now you know Fandle and DraftKings, DraftKings Fandle and whatever order in every state are, are generally one and two. And you know that comes from you know developing a brand over years, from having databases of players from the D- from uh, start of DFS to now, or that are people who are ready made for for sports betting. Easy to convert them into to sports betters when you already have them as a as a DFS user. So yeah, they're they've done well. It's, it's not their God, not DraftKings and FanDuel's God-given right to be number one and two forever. There are, you know, there is a lot of money pouring into this. You know, MGM is the one that's most aggressive, I think, right? Just, you know, Caesars just finished its acquisition of William Hill. There are, everybody's coming for it. It's not, you know, so they can't just, uh, the two companies can't just sit around and say, oh, this is, we're going to be one, one and two or in some order forever. Um, you have a lot, a lot still to shake out again. Early days, still the, the industry is still shaking out. Um, you know, Bet365, which is a sleeping giant, who knows what they do? They are, you know, the, op- the biggest operator in Europe by, by lots of metrics, um, you know, has done is in New Jersey, but has not really leveraged itself in, in other states in a real way. So there's a, still a lot to be said about wh- how this is all shaking out. But yeah, right now, as we sit here, you know, the DFS companies have done well. They had that built-in audience. They already had the customers acquired and were able to convert them over. Plus, their technology, especially DraftKings, like the DraftKings mobile app for both DFS and for Sportsbook, is fairly seamless and it's really easy to use. So mm-hmm. that, like, the user interface really goes a long way because I've used a few even up in Canada and like they are absolute dog shit. And like I would <laughs> like I will never use this again. Like I, it's so slow. It's not intuitive. Like I don't want to have to use this. And I, I think you're right about Bet three six five that. A lot of these, I'm just waiting for the big European player to come in, and maybe they just end up doing partnerships with some of the American-based places. But you know, like you said, they that company in particular is a sleeping giant in all of this because the brand recognition is so well-known around the world at this point. It's just not in the United States. Uh, the one that I wanted to leave you with, last thing, is obviously Penn and Barstool, they really thought they would get a lot of conversions from just the amount of people that go on Barstool and listen to those podcasts, but it doesn't seem like it's translated as much. And I can, I can I even speak to this a little bit too, is we've seen a lot of big fantasy football season long people get into the gambling space over the past two years, but that's not their audience. Their audience is season long fantasy football. It's not gamblers. Cause I've seen people with giant audiences not to be not 
able to convert their audience and following over. Whereas someone like me, who's talked about daily fantasy and gambling for you know the past seven years on my show, my audience is very right. fluent in this stuff and they're easy to convert over or probably already have converted over. That's why they're watching this show. They were on the offshores and now they're going over to the legal books. Uh, did Penn kind of make a weird play with this or is there still time for this to develop and really you know pay some giant dividends? There's still time. I mean, the brand is good. I mean, if they, if they just put out the Penn National Sportsbook, that's no good, right? So they needed to do something. Like nobody knows what Penn National is. The Hollywood Casino is the regional brand that's in a lot of in uh, a lot of states, but that didn't have you know that doesn't have any kind of cachet in terms of of converting customers. So that from that standpoint, Barstool makes a ton of sense. It, it has put them into the conversation very quickly. But you're right. It has not you know um, you know the number when Penn National took the minority stake in Barstool to deploy it as a sportsbook brand was we have 66 million fans. That's the number I kept seeing and all of them are just going to become sports bettors. That is not happening. That is that is most clearly not happening because if they if it was, they'd be number one in every state immediately. They'd, they'd snap their fingers, we're number one. That's not happening. They are you know, between number three and number four, pretty much everywhere they are, and pretty distant three and four, depending on the state. And now some of this is they are late to the game. They you know just launched in Pennsylvania first last year, uh, late, late last year, and there's there's still there's ground to be made up can can it still work i still believe it can work but you know the the, the narrative we were retolling is that you know uh, el presidente and his his fans would just start you know everybody would just start betting and that's not happening and they have to they they, they it's much ballyhooed they say we don't spend any on external marketing and they they need to clearly spend on external marketing if they're going to compete and you know they're even they're bonusing just as aggressively as everyone else uh, in the in the market and it's it's still only resulting in them getting being you know third or fourth now again i, I all the caveat of all this is very early days. They can change what they're doing. Um, but the Penn National needed the brand. They needed, and I, from that standpoint, I think it made a ton of sense. And there wasn't anything else that's quite as ready-made as, as Barstool was. Somebody was going to part with that bar with them and do this. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been interesting to follow. It's definitely the most interesting thing I see, and the thing that people engage the most with. People are you know, sports betters are also amateur stock traders and online gambling uh, is, stocks are hot right now. So people, there's more interest about Penn National and Barstool than anything. And the, the stock has gone from four dollars. At the low uh, to up to at one point, I think it was pushing 140. It's back down in the 90s right now. But uh, wild ride if you own some Penn National stock, and uh, who knows where it's going to go from here. But there's still still more more time for Barstool and Penn to catch up. Dustin Gauker, you can find him on Twitter at Dustin Gauker, and check out the LegalSportsReport.com for all the up to date news on what is happening potentially in your state. Remember to smash the like button on the way out and subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast, and join the Mayo Media Network newsletter for more promotions, more content, and exclusive access to some brand new content and information as well. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 